Tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. Oh, yes. It's the Zach Sang Show. Oh, oh, yes, yes. What a great, great Monday to be alive. Hello, beautiful human. Zach Sang Show. Hanging out with you. Hope you're having a great one. Hi, Cameron. Hello. Hello, Den. Hello. Hello, Jordan. Hello. Hmm, sis has been going out on dates. I can smell it. <laughs> you smell? What's it smell like? That's, that's okay. Yeah. I'm comfortable. Okay. Hello, Kelsey. Hi. Hi, Sam. Hello. Hello, my sweet prince. <laughs> my sweet ah. prince, Carlos. Another day we're here together. How that's does it feel? Um, Great. That's right, it does. Hope it's uh, doing well in your zone. No matter how it's going, though, we're going to... Get you through it. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you uh, need something, that's X Hang Show on any form of social media. Very much around. Mm -hmm. Who's going to be in studio today? I'll tell you. Ren is going to be oh, here. Ren. Love that guy. Number one album in the UK. We're going to talk all about yeah, it with right. him. His story, his journey, his life is absolutely incredible. Nobody re really like him. Uh, that I've ever come in contact with. I mean, he's from our favorite place on planet Earth. Oh, we live you there. Know? Yeah. yeah. It's a good place. The UK. That's uh, my one of my favorite countries, is it? I I don't think it's a territory, right? What's the deal on that United Kingdom? It's a territory? I'm going to it, say it's a country. It's Right, but it's technically Great Britain is the country, I think. I'm so confused, because isn't Ireland a part of the UK? Yes. London mm -hmm. is the capital city of England and the United Kingdom. It is the most populous city in the United Kingdom. I don't know. So uh, what does that mean? No, London is not a country. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, I know good. that, but what is London the United is a city. Kingdom? Google that. London is a city which is part of the United Kingdom, which is made up of England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. This is what I'm saying. It's a collection of countries. Coalition, territory, alliance. What the fuck is it? It's complicated. A nation? A nation. One nation. Under God, indivisible, that's us with liberty and justice and crumpets for all. Do they still make kids say that before class? 100% they do. It's so weird. No, they should. I had to do two two Pledge of Allegiances. What you pledged one to the Bible and no, one to one, the flag, one to the American flag and one to a Christian flag. No, a Christian flag. Yeah. Well, yeah, is it Jesus on the flag? It was a it's it's like a white flag with a blue square and a red cross, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, I know that flag, yeah. Oh, interesting. What was that pledge like? It was like, I pledge allegiance to the cross. And then I forget what happened after. Oh. I for, yeah, I'm going to hell is it's, the point. No, it's given cult, dude. Yeah, well. Oh, here it is. You want to read it to you? Yeah. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One brotherhood uniting all mankind in service and in love. Amen, brother. In love. Amen. Yeah. In love. By the way, can I ask Jordan a question before well, we get into the date stuff? Oh yeah, because you're talking about love and being in love, which Dates she makes is. Sense. Well, I, I so we were talking about the Britain stuff, and I just I wonder, Jordan, do you ever feel like a lot of an immense amount of pressure when Zach talks to you? Because sometimes I feel like he looks at you as if you know everything. Um, 
You know, I do know everything. So. Okay. <laughs> now that answers that. Good the, to know. The ego is crazy, but I respect it. I do too. Did the person you went out on a date with uh, respect it too? Because last week we heard about a guy who you were, you met on Raya, which is like the celebrity version of Tinder. Y'all were vibing to a certain degree, but you were slightly put off when you went to his Instagram to find that he had a bunch of photos of him and his ex. Mm -hmm. And that relationship with his ex only ended in June. It's, uh, according to my watch, October. That to be November. Mm -hmm. Correct. You were put off by that, but you decided to hang out anyway. I did. And? and it was it was good. I had an enjoyable time. Uh, we played trivia. We didn't know it was a trivia night when we went to this bar. Oh. However, that's what it resulted in. We like that. Yeah, the, the first question they asked was, what did Olivia Rodrigo acquire that inspired her 2021 debut single? Huh, easy. Oh, Driver's license. That's so stupid. He didn't he know, that? which kind of, I was like, mm. He didn't know? No. That's kind of fun. You can like educate him on it. You know, yeah. it's not like a popcorn junkie. It gives you know, let's talk about. I guess so. Babe, it's a driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> you guys were originally right? supposed to go to the movies. Yeah, that was a thought, but I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah. I don't know if I would have had a movie in me. I probably would have just like fallen asleep, mm. which is not a great look on a date. But instead, well, trivia, bonding, yeah. beautiful. Did you guys win? Um, we actually left like midway through because we stopped. We we could barely hear the questions. Oh uh, yeah, that's cute though. They got a story, you know. They were like, yeah. "Oh, I remember that time we had a trivia? You could barely hear it. We left, huh?" What do we think though? Is it a you know uh, date you number on, two happening? You know, I heard then, you went on a second date. Okay, it wasn't a second date, but we yeah, yeah. we saw each other again the next day. <laughs> on uh, so we were both out for Halloween at separate ah, locations. Okay, and he encouraged me to go to the place he was at. And I was very close to there anyway and figured, why not? I went there and all his little 22-year-old friends were making me feel so old. <laughs> what? That's disturbing. Aren't you 23? Yeah. See, oh, <laughs> Come on, Jordan. <laughs> no, they literally do make me feel old. They're like, what? You're like 24, 23? I'm like, mm, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> But then they were like, oh, I God. heard you work at Amazon. So I'm like, oh, you talked about me to your friends. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. That's a good little tidbit. What, is, what does he do for a living? Um, you have to preschool? <laughs> As 22-year-olds yeah. usually do. No, he actually, he like just graduated. So he still, he like has a job, but he's still like figuring things out kind of. So um, Aren't we all? Yeah. Are we interested in him? Are we going to go on a third day? Are we going to see him again? What's the deal? You know, yeah, if he like, contacts me and uh, you haven't spoken since no we spoke again on sunday because he wanted to know what i was doing and i was doing my own thing clearly <laughs> that's right you were wow. you were busy and um yeah Jordan. i i don't know we'll see i you don't sound sold to me so I, you I don't know. i was gonna say i don't think you're sold and I, I don't kinda, think you do younger. I don't know if I feel no. emotions, to be honest. So In general or just with this person? In general. Interesting. <laughs> we could have packed that if you'd like. Okay. I think you need someone who makes you think, who challenges you. She, mm. the you, can't, you can't dumb yourself down <laughs> for somebody. You, really, I, I think if you're looking at 22-year-olds as being immature and stupid... Sis, you gotta look at like people in their 30s. 35 I don't think plus. He's, I don't think he's immature and stupid. I just... I don't know... I feel being 23, I'm like, I feel like I'm already entered into my life and he just graduated college, you know? 
It is. Ah. It's not a big age difference, but it is a different. It's a slightly different place in life. Please don't even sure. talk to me about age difference. Yeah. My boyfriend's twenty one. Yeah, Jordan, that's you're, you're the guy. That guy's in Zach's wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Last time I did the math, my boyfriend and I have a nine year age gap, and the internet knows about it because you know they can do math. Yeah. Mm. But the one thing I have realized is that that age gap feels less and less weird the older we get. Does that make sense? You've known him for six weeks. What do you yeah. mean? The older yeah. no, no, When like, you first met, it was crazy, but now we've really grown up. <laughs> no, but in life, like, oh, I'm 41. They're 49. That's not yeah, that crazy. No, for sure. I mean, yeah. and that's that's the case when you get older. There's a lot of people who have an age difference like that. Yeah. You guys talk about that? Like, one day we're going to be th- 49 and 39. I mean, we do a picture of a future with each other and a life together. You... I'm sorry, Dan. Am I the only person in a relationship who does that with their partner? Absolutely not. 100%. You have talked about marriage, haven't you? 100%. Oh. Wait, you can go get married. What? That was my, that was my accent. It wasn't great. <laughs> that was your accent there? <laughs> that was your Australian accent? Wow. You want to tie the knot there? Put a little ringy on it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, we oh. have talked about marriage. I just remembered also... That guy, he was like kind of clowning me for smiling too much. Oh, then get what? rid of him. Oh, caught him. This clown caught him. Just because I have like a resting smile face, which I'm really trying to get rid of. Like, I don't know how to. Oh, what the fuck? It's either that or resting That's... bitch face. Women can't win. Wait. That is not a problem. What are you talking Wait, he about? He said you have a resting smiling face? Pretty you... much. Wow. Do me a favor. Send him the podcast link for today's show. <laughs> yeah, you're, Dude, a, you're a moron. F yourself. Honestly, and smile about it. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking freak. Yeah. <laughs> Most people are like, hey, smile more. And this guy's like, hey, smile less. Yeah, fuck. I said, I was like, okay, let me try to smile less. He's like, okay. What? You know, I was like thinking he'd be like, no, it's it's fine. It's cute. But no, he's like, yeah, okay. Okay. That is Anybody, such horseshit. Anybody yeah. who's having these types of conversations in any sort of like relationship or budding something. Nah, this is no. Never talk to him again. Is he like an <laughs> awkward, uncomfortable person? Not more so than I am. Okay. okay. I don't know if it was just like an awkward comment he made because he was like nah, trying to fill some space. Right. No, because he kept being like, what? And I was like, what? And he was like, you just look like you want to say something because you're smiling. I'm like, I don't know. He just said, babe, I'm just happy to see you. <sighs> Who is this guy? Yeah, nah, dude. Nah. I, don't know, I don't think we found the one. Sis, you need mature. You need real men. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what are the chances need- he's listening to this right now? Hopefully high so we can hear some sense. Yeah. You stupid idiot. I just, yeah, yeah, especially when you're in your 20s, you but, don't have to change a single thing. But also, like, even if your smile was giving serial killer, maniacal... Let's say for sake of argument. Stab you while taking a shower type energy. Don't say it. Think it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your friends afterwards. <laughs> exactly. That's what I always think about, like, people on Twitter and stuff. It's like, you know you didn't have to hit post on this, right? Well, you know, Twitter's different. It's you know? really not. No, nah, I mean, it's different than mm-hmm. looking at somebody going, you know, you smile too much. I saw your post over the weekend, Zach. Which one? Attacking. At Zach saying, I'm cutting all these motherfuckers out. Oh, I did. I did. I've been cutting people loose like like nobody's business. Snip, snip, snip. Boop, boop, boop. Going for a life haircut. <laughs> life haircut. It's good stuff. I yeah, like that. You know what I was blasting while I was doing it? For Good from the musical Wicked, which is celebrating 20 years That's in right. existence. Very exciting. Did you hear they're doing a, uh, a movie? Yeah, I heard oh. it's going to be two parts. Oh, is that right? You hear about that? Interesting. <laughs> Rumor has it's going to yeah. be a good one. Wow. Yeah. Very exciting. No, I, was, I, was, I was like listening to For Good, very, very loud, on repeat. Just cut motherfuckers out, getting rid of friends. It, it was time. And by the way, I had run-ins with these people over the weekend because it was a Halloween weekend. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Dan fraternized with one of my enemies. 
Fraternized? Yeah, I saw you. <laughs> with no. an enemy? Dan oh, one of them. saw something that Zach doesn't get along with, but like, that's not my business. I still know these people. And I said, what's up? How are you guys? And they said, hey. Right, I think maybe the opposite way around. Whatever. That's not the Did they say hi to you or did you say hi to them? They were just at a party and we both locked eyes as I was walking by. So like, of course I'm going to say hi to people I know. <coughs> okay. That's how I deal with things in life. It's like, that's your problem. That's not my problem. You deal with I your think own that's shit. Fair. I, I deal with my stuff. You deal with your stuff. Kind of. I'm a, I also live for loyalty. Mm. Yeah. But, that, uh, come on. Right, Jordan? You're claiming you totally. live for loyalty and like that just like causes more problems in life. What by by requesting it's like, oh, loyalty I'm so out of those loyal. closest to me? I'm so loyal. If you talk to my enemies, you're a bad person. Like no, just mind well, your you're business. Fraternizing with my enemies. I don't know what you're sharing with them. Be united. See, this is it. You're trying to be united like who we are. You see, we now, look fall. at this. You're already stand, man. See, look at this. You're picking problems with me now. Like you're no, by trying fun. to be loyal and cutting out your enemies. You're creating more. I will, yep. So oh, I'm creating an enemy out of you, eh? And we've always been enemies, but <laughs> that's what makes things interesting. <laughs> Cameron, can you weigh on this, please? I, mean, like, what, I agree with you. Like, if you have an enemy uh, and yeah. you don't like somebody, do your friends or do your people not need to associate with them? I think it depends on how egregious the the uh, act was. Their act was like pretty egregious. Like, if it's simply you know, just, it's clear we shouldn't be friends, then no. I, I don't think that it's necessary for my friends to abide their, by my their, choice. Their act was egregious, and I want to say this. I abide the same loyal lo loyalty to my friends. Like... My best friends in life, been around me for 14, 15 years. When they get out of a relationship, you think I'm hanging out with their boyfriend? Fuck nah. I think, you know, actually- If I see them out, I'll say hi because I'm not a piece of shit, but I'm not like seeking them out to grab dinner and is that, to isn't gossip that what and you did? Exactly what I did. That's what he yeah, did. I don't. Oh, seeking them out to gossip and hang. No, no. he said hi. <laughs> I saw him in the middle of a dance floor at a party. Well, you know what they Where say our about conversation was like, dance floor what? moments. <laughs> what? It's too loud. What a, moment, a moment on the dance floor could be a lifetime in one's life. <laughs> a Seriously, lifetime shit. in one's life. Yeah, take that. Have you not seen Dirty Dancing? Print it. Um, you know who else had the same take on this situation that I have is Bryce Hall. We asked him about the this is what the kids will understand this one. Okay. When we asked him about the uh the beef between Jaden Hostler and Josh Richards, and we're like, Bryce, where do you stand? He's like, That's their problem. I'm friends with both of them. It's it has nothing to do with me. What a random comparison. I think it's a pretty good comparison. That's a great no, that's exactly what we're talking it's about. Like, and if those, you'd like to relive that conversation, youtube.com slash sex Yeah, yeah. Go and channel the wisdom of Bryce Hall. <laughs> that guy's uh, doing pretty well for himself. I yeah. I would. But anyway, that's the comparison. It's like, that's not, his problem is not their problem. Their problem is their problem. You're right, you're everyone. right. And you know what? The night went on. The night well, there navigated you go. There you go. Exactly. It happened. It flowed. There you go. Couple enemies are at the party. Still did my thing. You had one enemy at the party. You have a couple enemies not at the party. two. No, you were talking to the one. The one's great. No, Al's not an enemy. He's a friend. Oh. Can I take a poll of the room real quick? This was a Halloween party, Yeah, I right? went to the Playboy party. Very nice. Yeah. This was Halloween and the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, you want to hear something great? Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, tomorrow is Halloween. Oh, so Halloween's I'm over. over it. Halloween is over. Uh, I, yeah, I can't believe it's still happening. Right? Halloween was over Saturday or Sunday morning. It's just a day to me. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Let's go, let's get past it. I'm done yeah, with it. I woke up this morning. I saw people still talking about Halloween. I was like, yeah. that was so last weekend. Get a grip. It's um, all about Thanksgiving. It's all about Christmas, really. Fuck Thanksgiving. Whoa, I'm putting my whoa. Christmas lights up. I'm over it. Love Wait, Thanksgiving. I, um, what are you saying? I wore my cook chicken chicken farmer costume to the Playboy party. Yeah. Uh, some girl in five minutes said, I love your costume. Nice. Oh, you saw that. So cool. You were there. Yeah, so cool. Did you cool. get her number? What would your girlfriend think? She's like, well, he, she, he, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I left her at home so I could look at all the bunnies, you know? I get it. That's what you do at the Playboy party. Yeah. I left her at home. 
What <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is your problem? Who is this girl? Do you know? Does she know? Like, they, they, she can't be real. Because, like, why do you think? Why that? do you think? Because that? you wouldn't talk about a person when you talk about your girlfriend. Have you seen some people that are in a relationship and the way they talked about one another? <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Is this that unbelievable? I mean, they, 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 but that like, I left her at home. I don't know, dude. Have you ever watched the TLC channel? <laughs> yeah, she's full of these relationships. Yeah, she was at the play girl party. I wasn't complaining. Oh, that would be a fun. I would. I would too. much rather go to the play girl yeah. party than the play boy party. Me too. Yeah, yeah look at all the boys. Playboy party was quite an experience. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. It was. I mean, no celebrities were there though. Nope. Sounds like my life. <laughs> <laughs> what? No celebrities. Underwhelm, yeah. Underwhelming invite list, but uh, you know, fun. Just you know, good time. Spooky. Ooh. Uh, fun time. Right. That was a great time. Yeah, Kelsey, cheeky Kels. Cheeky Kels looked really good in her Halloween costume. Yeah. She did. She she dressed from some person from Scream. Nice. Yeah. Scream 5. It's a good flick. Scream 6. Got it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I heard she got her photo taken by Mr. Getty himself. Yeah. She's she's on the photo wire. Who's yeah. that, Jordan? You know, of the Getty images. <laughs> <laughs> we should talk about a few things in a few. Lots to get to. A few things in a few. We'll talk about a couple things in a couple minutes. You got whatever it is. We're here hanging out, okay? Thanks for dealing with it. The Zach Sang Show podcast today keeps the doctor away. I'm going back to therapy. It, oh, it, going it, back? Yes. You stopped going? I did. I was going uh, too often before. Now I'm going back. Is there such a thing as too often I with therapy? Know. I don't know. I was going twice a week to two different people. Yeah. thought that was really interesting. Real interesting technique I concocted. Do you already have, by the way, I think that's completely counterproductive because I bet you got conflicting advice every single day. Yeah, well, I was like trying two out for a while. I was like, I'll find the right one yeah. eventually and then just kept two going. And then I found one and then got rid of them. Interesting. And well, so what's, what's dri- if you're okay with talking about it, what's driving you to go back? To My boyfriend. He wants really? you to? Yeah, he wants me to go back. See, I love I'm loving uh letter J more and more every day. Yeah, but why do you say why do you say that? Well, he wants me to go back to therapy. I think it's healthy for me to go. I do too. He goes. Um and also like it's just, you know, it's good to sort through life a little bit, figure it out with somebody. And I I don't he, know. I'm does, excited. Does he think you're like crazy? Struggling, crazy? Yeah, definitely crazy, but yeah. so is he. And everybody is. Newsflash. It's we also, all have our own brand of it. Yeah, you're right, Cameron. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of life being thrown at me, so let's go sort it out. And I like therapy. I enjoy it. I do, too. I find sometimes with it, though, I think my least favorite part of going is starting. Mm. Like when you the session starts, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to talk about right now. I find it like 20 minutes in. You, you have nothing to talk about, though. So you, like, why are you going? I do have plenty to talk about. It's just kind of like... Um, you know, sometimes with this show, it takes us 15 minutes to get into it. <laughs> you know what I mean? When I was going to therapy, it's before, true. That's, that's just no, how that's, it is. That's a good comparison. When, when I was going to therapy before, I was coming guns a blazing. I was like ready to go. I was ready to unload. Yeah. Do you even care? Hello. Who was just yawning? Dan. Wasn't I? Don't think I yawned. Did Listen, I yawn? Uh, Dan, Listen, I, Zach. I think you should go to therapy. Probably <laughs> about the yawn. All right. So let's let's talk about you and te- your therapist talks about. I haven't gone yet. I'm about to go, brother. Are you going with somebody you've used before or a new person? No, I'm going with a new person. 
Where'd you find them? Recommendation. Is it in person or virtual? In person. Love that. If you are looking for someone for the first time, psychologytoday.com. It's a good place. Yeah. Look at that. You can plug in all your info, your place. If you want to do virtual in person, insurance, blah, blah, blah. And there's like Yelp reviews for therapists on there, which I think is super funny. And it's funny. Yeah. We should go read them one day. I think so. I'm going to go starting uh, maybe this week, so I'll let you know. What are you talking about? What's what's your first uh, subject? I mean, I'm, there's a lot going on in my life. Well, just pretend, pretend nobody is listening. I mean, Cameron, are your therapist. I, I'm no, no, vomit. No, no, like no, the no. idea of Dan, talking to you, Dan, like a therapist, that's crazy. I was going to say, it's way too much for both of us to be. Pretend Dan's your therapist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the most level-headed person here. That's actually one of the most insane things I've ever heard. <laughs> that gives pure delusion. It does? Yeah. No. Are you going through psychosis? I, listen, I'm are so you? level-headed that I don't even know what that word means. <laughs> Uh, Come on, lay it on me. What do you got to talk about? I'll help you out. I'm okay. I don't need your help. Why not? You don't even know. You know nothing. But I do have a lot of life to sort through. I have a new relationship. There's a lot going on with work. There is so much going on with Parent work. stuff happening. There's yeah. a shit going on. Are you... Uh, I think we've talked about this before, but parents are definitely... We're in the phase of our lives where parents are becoming children. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of family stuff. stuff. I don't want to know about it's it. So... Oh, yeah? So <laughs> much. Keep Sorry, Dan. What kind of therapy are you, therapist are you? Just like friend problems, I'll help you with that. Okay. Work problems, I'll help you with that. But when it comes to family, keep me out of it. Okay, thank you. Ouch. <laughs> Good stuff. I won't let my mom know that. <laughs> no, you can let her know. I don't care. <laughs> oh, well, good. I support of, this. Thanks. <laughs> speaking of that, I'm actually going to be taking my boyfriend to meet my parents next week. What the hell? Crazy, y'all. We're going to go back to New Jersey, where I'm from, and uh, go there for a week. For legal reasons and for your protection, you're going to be somewhere on the East Coast. No, come to New Jersey. It's the greatest state. I got recognized at the airport when I was in New Jersey the yeah. other day, and some girl was like... Zach Sang. I'm like, yes, welcome to New Jersey, the greatest state in the nation. Here's why it's amazing. Just go to New Jersey. It's so great. Any reason to go, whether it's me or, I don't know, our great beaches. You think you're the, you just said you're the reason it's great? I mean, I'm one of the reasons I'm a great contributing factor to the greatness that makes New Jersey. You don't contribute anything to that state. Listen, I have, to agree. You I have to agree. It's a great time of year to go to the beach in New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, You've never been. Doesn't matter. I know that it's probably tropical right now. No, it's very cold. It's a but ghost we do have, town. go get your tan on. We have skiing. You can ski. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Plus, it's very close to the Poconos. Anyway. Yeah, but where are the Poconos? Pennsylvania. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Really That's what you just proved my point. New Jersey just wants to be New York or Pennsylvania. That's not true, Dan. And you know that. And I'm going to prove that to my boyfriend next week when we <laughs> go back together. You guys going to do like go to like go karts or something? What, do you, what do you do in Jersey? I feel like it's just like batting cages. Are you gonna go play go karts? I don't know. I just feel like it's like a little town where you just like where you go, I don't know the local diner and yeah, we'll definitely go to a diner because New Jersey created the diner. Actually, of yeah, no, that's diners are probably fun. Go karts are fun too. I take back there is a go karting so. track, and I did take a, a a past girlfriend there. I don't think my boyfriend would like to know that I took a past relationship there. Yeah, don't. Just, I won't let him know. Stop. <laughs> yeah. So, are you nervous about? Him meeting the parents? A little bit. Not for him. Mainly because my mom is and, and my dad and stepmom are a little fucking crazy. I love them, but they're nuts, dude. They're nuts. And I'm afraid they're going to say something ridiculous and out of pocket and just unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> and I am not going to be able to recover from it. And that's my biggest fear. I, I, he seems like a very mature person who can read between the lines on that stuff, though. Don't you think? Yeah, of course. But still, my parents are crazy. Uh, everybody's parents are crazy. 
Mine are pretty normal. Are they? Yep. I don't believe that. Mine are pretty nuts. Like, my mom is decently normal. My stepmom is a little unhinged, but in a loving way. My dad is normal, but I don't know. I don't know. It's just, like, thoughts and prayers would be really appreciated. T's and P's always work, so just keep sending them. Yeah, dude. Like, in this situation, (laughs) I think it'll really see me through it. Yeah. Anybody got any advice? Like, what my gut is telling me to do is just, like, sit back and let them do their thing. But then another part of me is like, oh, no, step in the middle of this and mitigate it. Try to puppet master this as much as possible. Curate it. Keep it safe. Keep it pristine. No. But also, like, we're going to be staying in a hotel. We're going to be together at the end of every night. See, that's key. Yeah. I think think here's the advice I would give you. Go to your hotel every night. Give him 10 minutes to decompress about if your parents did something crazy or said something off color or whatever it may be. Give him the space to talk to you about it, invent about it, and then move on. What are you worried that they're going to say? I don't know, dude. I've never introduced them to anybody I, I was dating ever. I 100% get where you're coming from. It's nerve It's nerve-wracking. And he's really my boyfriend, so like they can literally <laughs> ask anything. He's Wait, real. he is? Yeah. All right. Let me yeah, go. I think he hasn't lied. Write that he, down. He hasn't left yet, so it's not a lie. It is crazy. I do exist in a world where like every day I'm like, oh, can't believe we're together. I Why? feel very lucky, very, very blessed. Okay, that's good. But, I, you know, my parents are just nuts. I think just go into it and say, look, these are my parents. They're flawed people, but I love them anyway. And I just know they raised me, but I am not them. And mm-hmm. let's move on. It'll be, it'll be fine. I think you're thinking about it too much. Yeah, I think you're overthinking this whole thing. I think it's going to be great. You're going to go home. It's going to be fine. Have you introduced your girlfriend to your parents yet, Dan? My parents have never been to Los Angeles, California in eight years, so no. Is that true? Yep. You haven't brought her home? When was the last time I was home? I don't know. I don't keep your calendar. I haven't been home since December or something. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> this isn't about me. This is about you. <laughs> well, and whenever I do meet people, like, who, whatever happens, happens. Can't ever think that. Whatever. <laughs> Why are you guys funny? <laughs> you just overthink everything. Yeah, but rightfully so to a certain degree. It's a big step to meet each other's families. Huge step, right? Am I crazy, Jordan? No, it is a big step. It is. I think it's totally okay to be nervous about it, but it, you you can't control it, is my point. You just got to let it happen and then go from there. Just say no politics. Keep politics that's, out of it. That's good advice. <laughs> it's okay. My parents are they're all liberal. I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about the... I don't know. What do you think that's the worst thing that could happen? Right. Uh, talk about sex? <laughs> Why would they talk? Happen? Why think- the fuck? <laughs> yeah. My parents are crazy. You think your parents would be like, hey, uh, Jay, yeah. who's the top? Right. Jesus. Hey, I heard your mom saw the action. Can we get a taste? What are they <laughs> yeah. going to say? A taste. Let's put it. Let's not say that. I, mean, you know what I, mean. I don't know. But we'll find out soon. I'll keep you updated, yeah? Yes. Or you think your dad's going to, uh, your dad wouldn't say anything. He's not like that. You think your dad, your stepmom would be like, my stepmom's nuts. So you took Zachary's virginity, I hear. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Never You're overthinking it. Yeah, well, T's and P's, everybody. Bless up. If you have any advice, leave it in the comments, please. And like, whatever, like, tether me up. Leash me up. Zach Sang Show. Oh, okay. So teachers, they are forced to do a lot to survive and exist because, I don't know, we don't make it easier for them. True. They don't make a lot of money, Cam. They have to spend a lot of money out of their own pocket on resources and supplies and in order to make ends meet in a very expensive country 
Some of them turn to things like OnlyFans. Mm -hmm. And when their OnlyFans accounts are exposed, when a light is shined upon their careers on these platforms, parents freak out. And most of the time they're fired. That's happened for a second time recently, yeah, Jordan? Not just a second time, but at the same school. Mm -hmm. Oh, Yeah, in Damn. Missouri. And, and by the way, Missouri famous for underpaying teachers. It's, I think, maybe the worst state for teacher pay. It could if be not one of the, like the lowest five. What state is good? It's in the thirty thousand range. Oh, none of them. None of them are good, but I think it's just on the lowest. Mm. Nuts. Yeah. It's crazy. So what's going on with her? Why they fire her? Really? This purely? Yeah. Well, they they put her on leave, uh, and they said it's because of professionalism and student communication. Not okay. really sure how that applies to her having a side hustle. But apparently, like, the students found out about it first and were, like, slipping her notes that were like, I know your secret. And, yeah, it was just kind of a horrible situation. But, you know, the first teacher that quit, she has now made over almost a million dollars from her OnlyFans. <laughs> wow. Incredible. So, and, and she ended up good. getting fired and... She resigned after being That's suspended. It. And made this, more money. this second teacher, she has said that she is not going back to that school. I, I mean, rightfully so. You can make more money on OnlyFans in a month than you would maybe in a lifetime of uh, being a teacher. Why is it illegal to show a little nipple as a teacher? It's it's not illegal. So what are they getting fired for? It's against the code of conduct. It's not illegal. She's not going to get charged for anything. Hell, but the whole thing's crazy. So you, I think it's you, outdated thinking, to be honest. My yeah. mindset is good people are good people and good teachers are good teachers. Right. And if you don't want people to fucking have an OnlyFans account, I don't know, treat them and pay them like human beings. I also just think, can we stop pretending the kids don't have access to the internet? Of course they do. It's how they're finding it all out. But like, at the end of the day, I think sex work is work. And sex work should be treated I mean. with dignity. And models who choose to pose, no matter how they choose to pose on the internet, should be protected and treated with dignity. I agree. But I, my point is, like, I think that the rules are in place, in, quote unquote, to protect the children. You're not protecting them from anything. It's stuff they're already experiencing, maybe That's without so you. <laughs> like, it's like pretending that curse words don't exist around kids. They, like, they know they exist. Get a That's grip. not the way to, to, you know, handle the situation. I don't think anybody, regardless of your status in life, I don't think there's it's, it should be a problem for anybody to join OnlyFans if they want to do it. Who gives a crap? I agree. It's a free country, dude. And Get good over people yourselves. are good people, good teachers are good teachers. And I start... This whole thing by saying, if you pay somebody fairly for doing a job that's so important like being a teacher, they wouldn't even think about having to do OnlyFans to begin with, most likely. So get a grip. I agree with that. At the same time, it's like, if teachers made $500,000 a year and they wanted to do OnlyFans too, can. who cares? Truth. Truth. Yeah. But teachers get fired for this stuff all the time. Kelsey, you were talking about somebody being on Howard Stern? Which, by the way, Howard Stern back in the day was, I mean... Yeah, sorry, I'm kicking things around. Um, they, no. <laughs> he was only fans of the radio. Yeah, it was so. It was my fourth grade teacher got fired for being on Howard Stern. I guess she was in a bikini, and that was the big thing. Scandalous. Um, Damn. And yeah, it was. It was the year after I had her because my neighbor. It was the year my neighbor had her, and they fired her. Like it was over the summer too. It wasn't even like during classes. That's such yeah. that's insanity nonsense. Meanwhile, You're not even on the clock. Yeah. Meanwhile, my high school. The freaking guidance counselor has a relationship with the captain of the softball team that he's a coach of. The freaking gym teacher, who's also an assistant coach of the girls' soccer team, hooking up with all of them. 
you got the two guidance cou- guidance counselor and the gym teacher hooking up in the girls' locker room on the off time. Still have a job. Mm-hmm. My freaking TV teacher would show up to video club Thursday, Friday. We'd set up after school day, go to the local bar, get shit faced, and then come back reeking of alcohol. Nice. Work the whole way through. I mean, this is just that one fucking high school, y'all. Yeah, right. Okay, this is just my school. I can keep going. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, my school was like that too. Crazy. Are are parents afraid that the kids are going to go and find the teacher on OnlyFans? Because if that's the case, that's something you have to deal with at at home. home. But if they do, who cares? Right. Well, you don't want to see Miss Smith naked? Like, is that the problem? Right. It's so bonkers. It is bonkers. Also, you're going to get fired for wearing a bathing suit? Like, what, teachers can't swim? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. I just think, like, the more that this stuff comes out, the more I add teachers to the list of jobs that I don't understand why anybody would want to do it at this point. It really is a job that It's all well-intended, but at this point, it's like, it's just not worth it. You don't get paid worth of shit. You get in trouble for trying to supplement your income in this way. Like, it's just not... I wouldn't want to be a teacher. I wouldn't want to be a cop. I wouldn't want to be uh, a politician. Like being a teacher is incredibly thankless, and that scares me. It is not having access to teachers in this world is really scary. So, fingers and toes. Well, for now, we will subscribe. <laughs> really, seriously, send me her link. Crank it! It's the Zach Sang Show. Hello, beautiful human. I am Zach. That is Dan, and uh, we welcome to the studio. Ren is here. Hey. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for being here. It's nice to be here next to this absolutely horrifying cat pillow. (laughs) We say that about the cat, but the truth is that's like one of the most famous things about our show. Maybe one of the most famous pillows of all time, actually. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, many, many, uh, many people like hold it. Can I cradle it? You can do it. Yes. Whatever you need to feel safe. Yeah, this, this is my emotional support pillow now. That is. Thank you. It's pure purpose. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. By the way, your speaking voice is incredible. Thank, thank you. <laughs> you have a great tone, and it comes through in the music you make because a lot of it do, is done in the in the style of poetry. Is that kind of correct, or am I totally off base? Yeah, I, I think I, I weave a lot of poetry into what I'm doing for sure. Um, a, a lot of spoken word, a lot of hip hop. I mean, some of the best hip hop it has its origins in that. Really, it's rap, rhyme, and poetry. What rap stands for. Your story is so. Music means something really different to you. Mm. Um, and I, I think it all stems from like, I don't even know where to begin, dude. Like I've been listening to your music and then I really, we have just, your story is like just in our brief, it's 10 pages <laughs> because you've been through an exceptional amount. That's true. In a way that like, like people go through things all the time and health is something that is completely and totally out of our control. But in moments where you've tried to manage and go after figuring out what was holding you back health-wise, you've just been steered in the wrong directions, which would ultimately lead to you. I mean, do you look at that today and go, I wish the doctor would have told me exactly what I needed to know at the very beginning? Or are you somewhat grateful for the journey that it's put you on? It's a a difficult question, man. It's a very difficult question because it's... And I, I guess it comes back to whether you see things as a gift or a curse, which is the choice. And, you know, if there was a parallel universe with a Ren that hadn't gone through those things, would I be the artist that I am? Would I be right? I wouldn't be t- talking about the topics that I am, but how would the course of my life transpired? And I think it always just comes down to a choice. So you might as well choose the thing that makes you feel better about it, which is that it's a gift, right? 
Because if I look at it like a gift and I look at it like a press perspective, then it justifies all of that stuff happening. And it's, it's, it's unusual to think about a parallel universe where none of those things happened because I think with that comes a little bit of negativity towards my situation now. So um, I think the decision to be grateful, is, it really serves me. The music you're making today, I mean, the album that is one of the big topics of discussion, Sick Boy, it, it is crafted while you're up in Canada figuring out your health, correct? For a, like a, a fourth time at this point or something. Yeah, well, so, uh, some of it was crafted before I left, knowing that I was going to Canada, some of the tracks put together then, and then there was a few tracks that I actually produced and recorded whilst, yeah, whilst in treatment there, yeah. So, yeah. my understanding of the story mm. is you sign a great deal and you get addicted, well, let's start with the beginning, you get yeah. addicted to busking. Yeah. Which I, I didn't understand could be a real thing, but is because it is like this instant reaction that can release something in you correct yeah i i love i love it um and it was the first thing i mean i only had ever had one job in my life when i was 16 working at a, a co-op and um i got i got fired for throwing sprouts at my co-worker <laughs> <laughs> so uh from that moment forth i decided that all because i mean i was obsessed with music ever since i was 10 years old and i was producing beats and selling my mixtapes at festivals as a 13 year old with this little tiny handheld boombox, and I'd just go and sit by a bunch of people and play the songs and just, you know, and, and I was obsessed at school time, at dinner time, I'd lock myself in the music room and just play piano the whole time or play guitar. And um, it was just a real hyper fixation for me. And then, um, so busking was my way of like, as a 17 year old is when I first started doing it. It was just my way of, I could go out on the streets and I could do what I love. And then, you know, I wasn't making a huge amount when I first started because I hadn't quite mastered the art of performance or anything yet, but I made enough to be like, oh, cool. I can, I can have a little bit of spending money from doing what I love. And, and that's when I just, I started pouring myself into it in the art of performance and yeah, became addicted to just being out on the streets playing. And that was a, something that I just did throughout whenever I could before my health uh, declined. It was just something that I would do probably five, six days a week. I'd be out there for sometimes like six, seven hours at a time. Do you think your success in during that phase, in, which ultimately leads to today, was kind of fueled by this ability to have hyperfixation on things? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, even fueled today, by ADHD? Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Because in those, it's just like my brain which is a very common thing. So ADHD, there's a lot of new research that says it's essentially like a dopamine dependency. So you're constantly seeking these little spikes. And if you're doing something that's not giving you that spike of dopamine, you become disinterested and um, you find it very difficult to do. And um, But with music, I could sit there. It was the only thing that felt meditative for me. I could meditative. I could sit there for hours on end, producing, playing, singing, rehearsing the same lines over and over again. So um, I think it, it, 100%, and even to this day, it's the same thing. Um, it, it just, it's the one thing I can sit there happily forgetting to eat all day. Um, just because it's, I just become so immersed in it. What do you learn about people from busking? So much, man. It's very, it's very interesting. My, I become fascinated with the psychology of performance. That was one of the most interesting things I learned is, um, that there are these things called mirror neurons, right? Where you, it, if you observe a behavior, 
you become inclined to repeat it because we're like creatures of community and we and we it's why in those talent shows when you watch somebody like gasping or crying at a moment where someone's singing you feel that emotion just by seeing that person in the crowd and it's like because your brain gets act activated to mirror those things so with busking what i found was really interesting is if you can hold just one or two people watching you it instantly creates a space that's safe enough for everybody else to come and watch you so as long as you like kind of focus on focus your energy on not like oh no why am i not getting a crowd because that energy almost gets projected out if you can capture one or two people's attention all of a sudden that two people turn into 10 turn into 50 turn into 100 uh, just because they're enabled mm -hmm. by other people doing it so i found that where yeah i, I that probably makes me sound a little bit mental but i i love to people watch while i'm playing because i think it feeds into my performance while i'm doing it i understand that yeah well, because you have the ability to react in real time and you're not necessarily focused on what you need to do next. You're focused on what they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's really, I mean, and it's a positive feedback loop, right? Because if, if you are, if you, you're holding, because the good thing about busking as well is people are, are there by choice. They're not, they haven't bought a ticket and if they're not enjoying it, they're just like, they're chatting away. The, the, the people who stop to watch you do it completely out of their own free will. So it's a really affirming thing. And then you get this positive feedback loop, which helps me almost forget myself which is almost my constant goal as a performer is get rid of the thinking mind get rid of the self-aware mind and just be doing and just be and, and my favorite moments in life are when i forget almost forget my physical form and just become whatever song it is uh, and, and it kind of comes through me some of my favorite artists i think had the ability to kind of tap into that flow state like Jimi hendrix like jeff buckley that the freedom of performance but uh, is, is that something you're only tapping into when you're on stage or is that something you're tapping into when you're recording in the studio it's a bit it's i, I did i literally did a whole in, online course from it called flow state uh, i've done it with my with connor who's here actually um and i try and apply it whenever i can because i think those moments where you become thoughtless even in social interaction going out dancing going out partying enjoying th like running whatever when you become less self-aware things just flow much mm. nicer and i think life becomes more enjoyable so it's it's constantly like a thing that i'm trying to fall into so just to like recap mm. and if you don't know we get to a place here today and an album that is an incredibly intense journey yeah like you know one of the things we've talked about a bunch is like it's two things right like Physical health is incredibly important. Mm. Equal to the importance of physical health is mental health. Yeah. And the two very much, it's like they, 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 they're so deeply, deeply connected in mm. so many different ways. Y you end up losing a record deal early on mm. for things that are completely and totally out of your control. Yeah. You, you get sick. Mm. Does it come out of nowhere? It, it's funny. I mean, I, I, in terms of the physical symptoms, yes. In terms of, I think, mental health and feeling like a little bit of an outlier and an outsider, I think that was just a constant theme in my life. And maybe it maybe it set the stage for a chronic illness getting uh, a hold of my body because some people don't develop autoimmunity. Some people don't fall into a state of chronic sickness. They get something like Lyme disease and their body deals with it and they're okay. But then you have a percentage of people who don't and there are theories as to why that ha happened. So oh. I'm not, I'm not sure if the dis-ease in my body, the disease, the disease came from disease and, and, um, and came from a, a place of discontentment. Cause I kind of always felt that uh, I, I can't even really 
tell you a time not to get too heavy, but I can't really tell you a time where I don't think I did feel like that apart from in the recent years um, when I've been picking everything apart and then putting it back together again. And I've finally come to a place in my life where I'm feeling a much greater sense of peace and tranquility. And by the way, it's a journey of health that is, it's being supported by those who appreciate and feel understood by your music Mm. and you're giving and you have given them your music in return, right? Like for GoFundMe donations to, for treatment, you would give them the album in return. A hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's it's so important to me. And and now luckily I've gotten to a state, this place where I'm financially independent and it feels really nice to um, be a voice for those people, be a voice for the voiceless, be somebody who can tell their story because my story it's so many people's story. And when I started doing the health blogging before, when I was too sick to make music, I realized that there are so, there is such a underground community of people who aren't seen, who are just suffering under the surface because they're, they're not dealt with properly by the medical industry, but they're too sick to really speak up about it. So it feels really nice and empowering to be in a position where I can tell their story too. And in a nutshell, you were wrongly diagnosed. Like they thought you had something called ME. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was first initially diagnosed with bipolar, um, which was a misdiagnosis because my symptoms would come cyclically and in waves when I wasn't looking after myself or when I was eating the wrong thing. But I didn't know that at the time. But that's also connected to Lyme disease. Yeah, exactly. But I didn't know that. So they were like, oh, well, some days you feel a bit better. Some days you feel like really com- like mentally foggy brain confused and they're like well it sounds like hypercycling bipolar so i was put on citalopram i was put on um some different ssris which made me a lot worse because uh, i had uh, underlying mcas which is this allergic condition but i didn't know that at the time either so i just fought through it because i was like well the doctors tell me if i it will even out eventually and i'll be fine eventually and so i just went through the mill with all these things um valium was the worst one because of the withdrawals but i, w- I just went I went, I I was bouncing from doctor to doctor. And then eventually as I was deteriorating, they said, well, you're tired loads of the time you're in pain. Maybe it's like ME fibromyalgia. And then I'm on a waiting list for a year and I finally get to see that doctor. And then the the, the treatment is resting more. And it's like, (laughs) I've been in bed for, it's honestly, it's, it's really, it's the, the, the level of care is so bad for people who go through those things. So, you know, I was really hopeful for this appointment for a whole year, went to the appointment and, it was just really disappointing and, and, and that was a cycle that went on for years of just like getting my hopes up for something and then getting my hopes obliterated and, and my physicality being worse off. And it was something that I had to constantly pick myself up from the ground uh, until the point of breaking point in 2015 where it kind of culminated in going into fully blown psychosis because I just, I think my brain had just had enough. Well, and you literally tried to do everything at one mm. point. I mean, you explore fecal transplants. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the uh, that was the highlight of my life. That was having somebody else's uh, excrement put in my my backside. Was um, yes, what a what a journey. That was, and that was that was it was another thing because there's a lot of science behind it, right? So you're you're implementing your someone else's microbiome into your own. So at the time, I was like, because I had so many digestive problems, I was like, maybe it's gut based, and maybe it's just like this dysbiosis that's throwing my whole body off. So. And one of the most researched things, and it was it was healing things like Crohn's disease. It was healing yeah. a lot of autoimmune conditions. Even MS was being slowed down by having these fecal transplants. So, you know, my music wasn't known at the time. I, I spent six months raising six thousand pounds, which was the the price of it. You know, I, I don't come from come from a poor family, so they couldn't help me. So, I had to do it myself. Really, I, I started doing these health blogs and reaching out to the chronically ill community, and eventually, I raised the money. And there was so much 
hope this is this is just before the psychosis there was so much hope for that six months at the time i was so ill and so underweight that i couldn't get out of bed so that whole six months i was in bed maybe i'd get up and have a shower every few days but even that was pretty excruciating and, and then, this is before you know you have lyme right this is before i know i have lyme disease yeah so so i i raise the money i go to stay in this clinic and we do 10 days of uh, the fecal transplant thing and then my body had an autoimmune reaction to it and it made my symptoms like about five times worse and that for I think for the level of hope that I had, um, it it was like one of the most crushing things ever. And and then it was it was a few weeks after that that um, uh, it, it was the start of the Seven Sin song. I was literally lying on the kitchen floor, like with my hands, um, sort of like with my nails digging into the floor because it, it was in so much pain and so much. Uh, I don't know, just just uh, I was just so bitter about about the fact that you're you have your sight set on this thing, you do this thing and then it, it not only does it not work, but it makes you worse. And um, yeah, I just remember this thing and then my mum came down, she, she came down the stairs and saw me in this state and then I just felt myself, it was really strange, I kind of felt myself fall through this tunnel. It was almost like quite a spiritual experience and um, all of a sudden, it just like, all that pain and everything, it just, there was, it, it was so, so bizarre, I don't, I still can't really understand what happened but it's like all my pain stopped, all my, all the weird feelings and I just felt this weird sense of euphoria and I came to and I remember looking around and I, I developed this this tick which was like a click in my hands and um, I, I kept doing it but I was speaking really eloquently to my mum and, and almost like really wittily, witty and funny and she was kind of like nervously laughing at all the things I was saying I can't really quite remember what I was saying but I was in this kind of like manic euphoric state um, and then like loads of strange I started having loads of strange behaviours like I went down into the living room and I couldn't stand the fact that no, everything wasn't parallel, so I'd move everything parallel, and then, um, and then it kind of culminated in me. Well, that was the first. There was a few days of euphoria, and then it turned into just like this intense feeling of dread that I couldn't explain. And I'd wake up at like three a.m. sometimes, like screaming as loud as I could, like literally scream. My mum would run in; it'd be like these night terror things. And then my my communication went the opposite way, and I, I couldn't really communicate what was happening. And I developed a vocal stutter where I'd get stuck on words for maybe two minutes. So it'd be like just again and again and again. And then um, I, I I started becoming quite delusional and thinking that the only explanation for my health struggles could be demonic or some sort of experiment. It was like the only thing that my mind at the time, a rational mind, made sense. And um, uh, there was a time where I I decided that the only way to short circuit my reality was to do the thing that was least expected of me. And this one time I, while I was in the car with my mum, I jumped out the car on a road. I ran into the road and I took off all my clothes and I just lay it in the middle of the road and caused a traffic jam while I was like laughing hysterically at the sky because I thought this is the last thing they expect. And if I do this, then the, the, all of this is going to stop. And then the police came up and luckily my mum taught me out of getting sectioned and, um, yeah, that 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 was about three months where I was just in this really intense psychosis. That was really fueled by this one treatment that, like, really, I mean, because it's such intense pain. Yeah, that you you don't even know how to compute it. Yeah, like you're still alive, but you're feeling like you're. It's like your body's breaking down, but like, I, you 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 mentioned that you there's a song about that moment when you're in, on the kitchen floor. Yeah. What role does that song play in this whole process? Does it come to allow you to find peace? Does it 
rationalize and help you understand? Does like what what does that song I, I, mean? I think I think when because right at the start it has this like Welsh choir, which is almost like a eulogy to myself, and I was setting the scene with that. It's just because that moment was such a prominent moment that always sticks in my mind. That it it it, it wasn't. I don't even know if it was catharsis. It was just to tell the story in in its rawest form without sugarcoating it, just making it as much as a window and as much as a transparent window as it could be. What is it like to go back to that? Not that comfortable always, no. I, I, you know, uh, but it's, it's something I've spoken about and it's something I've spoken in therapy about and, you know, uh, it, it's still important for me. I think there's an, uh, there's an element of PTSD through, throughout the years because it literally does feel like you're being tortured. Like when you're... Um, sorry. <laughs> when you're when you're lying in bed for that long it it does feel like you're being tortured and and your 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 captor is um you don't you, you don't know when it's going to stop if ever and and then then life seems a bit a bit pointless because you see you know all, all the people that I grew up with doing their thing getting married uh getting jobs doing the the, the thing and I, I didn't really have a 20 so it was um yeah, it, it's 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 quite difficult, but um, but it, it feels, d despite despite the element of PTSD, that I think there's, it it it's really important for me, because, I, I'm probably a lucky very small percentage, of people who have managed to, climb out of that place, and and some people don't ever climb out of that place, so, it's really important to for me to tell their story, in hopes the more awareness comes and in hopes they don't feel alone. Uh, I appreciate that. Mm. Uh, I lost my friend this year. She had a terminal illness. And I think people don't realize how much time you lose. Yeah. And this concept that you're, you're a prisoner to your own fucking body. Yeah. And even though your brain can tell you one thing, your body can do something, mm. they don't, they, they don't correspond. That's it. That's it. And, and especially when you have a, like a part in yourself, and I'm really sorry about your friend, by the way, really sorry. Um, but when you have a part part inside of yourself that's um just craves life so much like and just wants that because you know what i mean cuz we we all want and we all deserve we all deserve it and and it it can feel very confusing and very i i touch on a lot of spiritual things on this album and it can be very spiritually confusing um being like what is the purpose of this? Uh, and so coming back, coming full circle to the first question and then attributing a purpose to it. And then I think about that and, and I'm like, okay, I have a trip. So, so it's given it meaning, but where's the meaning for the people who don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like where, <laughs> sorry, but no. where, where, where is the meaning for the people who just suffer and die with this? Like, where, where's like where's the rationale in, in a spiritual sense like what what justification is there for that or is it just meaningless and is it just it just what it is and it's a very sort of like Nietzsche view of everything that is just things things just happen it's just part of the the whole cycle of life and yeah it's 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 something that makes me uh, ha have a bit of a tug of war with with my own spirituality of, of what I believe and what I think and um, something that I, qu I quite still haven't landed where or what or why, probably eternally. But um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I, I hope to, in whatever way, in the path of my career, carve out a space that hopefully eases some of that suffering for people. Cause just because I know how insidious it can be. And it's coming through in these records. Um, but one of the one of the songs of yours that it's not on this body of work, but High Ren. 
Yeah. It, it, it is so brutally honest and it's a conversation amongst yourself. And I mean, are you crafting that record thinking back to where you were mentally at that time? Or are you crafting that record from a space where like what you hear is what, where you were? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I, th- I think with that, with that song, it, cause I mean, it's impossible for my house stuff not to leak into stuff just because it's been so, so much a big part of my periphery. But it, that that song was really, I mean, the core of it was really just the human plight, not the plight of the chronically ill person, but just the human plight of these two duality, the ego and the self-doubt and the the overconfidence and the over-doubt. It, it was just really like the doubt of me as a creator. And it was quite fun, actually, at times for me to just poke fun at that and poke fun at myself and not take it too seriously, you know? And um, yeah, I, I, and I think that's why it, it did so well because it was on a human level, just relatable to a lot of people. Totally. Because you don't have to have gone through a big life full of trauma to be able to to have a voice inside that's like, you can't do that. Especially in today's age, man, like with like the barrage of like, we're, we're put under a microscope and we've all, social media has made us all performers. Like all of us are now entertainers because we're all just showing little snippets of our lives, um, which I think is a new thing for the human brain to process and get to terms with, of like being so observed makes you very self-aware. And within that realm of self-awareness becomes a lot of self-criticism, right? So, um, and I think that's why, and also as well, I mean, it's a nine minute song, which is a bit of a, <laughs> bit of an antithesis. It's a bit, bit of a juxtaposition to what is successful these days, which is short fast food content, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, because you're telling a real story and honestly, mm. it's so, the details are so vivid mm. and the way you, you produce it, I just, I can see you talking to yourself in a mirror. You yeah. see the the duality, like the two sides of you. Yeah, yeah. Super wild. Yeah, oh, thank you, man. Thank exquisite you. Exquisite song. Yeah. Really fucking exquisite. Appreciate that. When is that a stream of consciousness, or how does that work? It, it. I had the concept for years, actually. I just hadn't, I hadn't done anything with it. I knew I wanted to do it, and I had, I actually had a whole four minute long song, which I scrapped all of the lyrics for, which was a similar sort of concept. But then I came back to it years later because um, you know, I'd gotten better at guitar, I'd gotten better at lyric writing. And I, and I was like, oh, I want to bring this concept to life. I think it'd be a really cool video. I didn't, I, I never really expected it to go the way it did. And in the end as well, the end was a lot bleaker at the start. It ended up with me offing myself after the, after the negative voice gets too much. And I remember showing my friend and they were like, Ren, why are your songs always so bloody depressing? And I was like... That's a good point. Maybe I'm and so I went away and thought about it, sat with it for a while, and then I wrote that last verse, which ended up being my favourite verse on the song, which is a lot more hopeful and bringed a lot more, which was actually more true to my story at the time as well. So it was, it, it was um, yeah, I, I'm really glad that they pulled me up on it in that way, actually, because I, I think it's my favourite thing, it, it is the, the kind of acceptance of the dark and the light rather than one winning over the other because it's not even really the light winning over the dark of the, of the hope it's just more that those two things exist in parallel duality and they could exist and they should exist and they, on and any always, given day and they always do that's the thing I think this we, we, we're obsessed with the narrative of good versus evil in, in Hollywood in, in stories and everything and it's always like the, the battle of good versus evil and whether in a horror film or in a superhero film one always wins but i don't really think that's the truth i I think that i think that it's more akin to the yin yang symbol where where both exist inside each other and there'll always be a place for both and a need for both what a beautiful thing to accept Mm. yeah and i think that acceptance makes 
because I think we're such harsh critics of ourselves. You know what I mean? We're so and we're so hard. We're so quick to point fingers at people without uh, accepting our own hypocrisy within that. Um, but I do think life becomes less of a struggle when when you you don't see as things as this is good, this is bad, this is black, this is white. Because I think when things are like that, it becomes a little bit more jarring to navigate life. What does it feel like when you find out that you didn't have this Emmy, but you ended up having Lyme disease? It's, it was a really weird one because when I first, because I went, I, so, so, so what happened? So I was in the psychosis, right? And um, I, there's part of me that's still lucid and I'm researching online all, because I was always researching online. I took, before that I was taking countless different supplements and trying different things that weren't working. But I was like, I, I, I found this condition, the subsect of kids with autism had this condition called PANDAS, P-A-N-D-A-S, which is caused by the streptococcus bacteria that gets inside your brain and causes all these psychotic-like symptoms. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's with me. So I convinced my mum to take me to a gastroenterologist and I faked a stomach bug because I knew that I'd get penicillin because I was active against streptococcus. I faked this stomach bug. I go to the doctor and um, gives me, of course, and I tell him, oh, I've taken penicillin before. I cleared it right up. Gives me a course of penicillin. I get home. Never taken it before. Take it for two weeks and then my, my psychosis goes away and my symptoms like diminish by about 50%. And I'm like, what the hell? And then they creep back up after it. And I'm like, and I've taken so many pills at this point that I know it's not placebo. So, um, because I'm, I'm no stranger to the placebo effect. And so I go, this, this is infectious. This isn't, this isn't my brain. This isn't like a miswire. This like, there's an infectious element to this because I took an antibiotic and my symptoms got better. So I, I saved up and I go and see a infectious disease specialist in Brussels, um, about six months later. And I tell him all my symptoms before he even does any blood tests. He was like, we're going to do some blood tests, but I'm telling you right now, you've got Lyme disease. It was like, it was like, wait until it comes back, but I'm, I'm almost certain. Um, tests come back, positive for Lyme disease um, and all the all the biomarkers of it as well. There's certain things in your blood like the CD57 and different inflammation blood counts. And it was, it was this, it was this strange thing because I was so relieved that all the years that I went and sat in a doctor's office and say, no, there is something wrong with me. And they're like, Ren, we've done so many blood tests and there's nothing wrong with you. It's psychosomatic. It's all in your head. And it was like such an affirming like thing, but it also made me feel really angry as well because I was like, why didn't somebody take the time to do what this guy did right at the start? Why, why did I have to do all this? So I felt a lot of anger for the medical industry, but I also felt so much relief because I finally had an answer. And then I had to find out that it's not as clear cut as you've got Lyme disease, take these antibiotics and you're better because it had been in my body for eight years. So I treated the Lyme disease, I take the antibiotics and I'm just left with like, all this autoimmunity and all this like stuff, residual stuff from having an untreated condition for so many years. So like it was a real mixed bag because I had a path to wellness now. That was the great thing. And it gave me a lot more determination. Um, but I also, it, it there was a lot of like resentment there for the years of like medical neglect and, and the times that people with 100% confidence looked at me and were like, Ren, there's nothing wrong with you. So one doctor even said, "Have you tried getting a hobby while I was like while I was in the thick of it?" And that's yeah, that's te terrible. Yeah, yeah. What wild to wrap like like tried to even just wrap your mind around? Yeah, it, it was surreal. But the good thing was, and then I started blogging about it. I, I kind of got a second wind after that diagnosis because I was like. I am going to get better. There's nothing that's going to stop me. Nothing's going to get my way. I start blogging and um, a stem cell doctor finds the blog 
this was something very outside of my fin financial capacity at the time. He he felt a sense of empathy, I guess, because his, his son was a musician. Funnily enough, it was hit right here in LA. He goes, if you can get to yourself to LA, I'll give you a stem cell transplant for free, and I guarantee you it's going to make your life a lot better. I beg my mum for money for flights. She gives me flights. I stay with a family who were going through the same treatment. Funnily enough, a set designer for the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air somehow. <laughs> uh, he, just a guy I found on a Facebook group. They're a lovely, lovely couple. Well, by um, the way, like Lyme disease, there's a big community of people who go through it. And yep. I, I, I have friends. It's a very, it, it, it's a somewhat common thing yep. here in America. I know. Yeah, you a lot of in the UK, yeah. Well, and by the way, like if you look back at the traces, I'm pretty sure like it's a profit over people situation where yep. they did pesticides and things that they shouldn't have used. And like there was an uptick in ticks and yep. all these different things that would make its way to people and mm. i mean terrible stuff but if you caught it quick enough with the right dose of antibiotics exactly. you'd actually be able to mitigate symptoms because the longer it's inside of you the worse it becomes that's exactly it if you take a course of three weeks of doxycycline within the first i think you've got about a month window um most people make a full recovery yeah, yeah. And, and again like uh, other famous cases of this is like avril lavigne yeah 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 avril lavigne i think i think i heard something about justin bieber um you've got um uh, what's her name? Um, oh, it's not coming to me now. But yeah, there's, there have been a few cases where celebrities have, have come out and spoke out about it. And it's still, there's still so much misunderstanding about it. Whether it's like, because there's the, in the medical industry, there's still an argument whether is this just post-Lyme disease and an autoimmune thing or is this a chronic infection, whether it's persisting but evading tests, that um, uh, antibody tests because of the way that it w operates in your body is it's, it's almost like a stealth bacteria. So, and there's still a big debate about that, which leaves the patient in the middle. And, and I don't even know which side of the fence I sit, but it leaves the patient in the middle without answers. And that's the most, that's the, that's the most difficult thing is the scientific community that, you know, there's a couple of schools of thought and then, and then, then you have the patient and the patient is left with no clear answers, which is why I think there's a desperate, desperate need for more resources to be put into what's actually going on because yeah it's it's it's, it's tough it, the other thing too is like stem cells a big discussion about stem cells mm -hmm. and the ability to use them yeah those are i mean rumor has it in la they use them for almost everything yeah and uh like my chiropractor is like yo if your shoulder hurts like let me put like i'll inject you with stem cells <laughs> right like, but it it is game changing because of the way mm. it, what it is i mean yeah. you're essentially injecting new cells to replace the unhealthy cells right and and yeah and you know i was advised against with normal doctors they were like nah just don't go there you know it's not it's not researched enough we're not and um i took a gamble on it because i had nothing to lose really at the time I, you know i didn't think i was gonna live to see 30 so i was like well you know th th there's this real big opportunity it felt right it was one of those things that felt right and yeah i, I went and did the stem cell transplant and um six months later um, I just got a lot better. I was I was able to go out singing, playing on the streets, go to the gym, hang out with friends, and it was incredible. But is that scary to do that all again? It was it was very bizarre. I, I just want to do a disclaimer as well and say that some people that did the transplant got worse because you know I always feel when people are like, do you recommend doing this? I'm always a little bit hesitant because I took a gamble and some people took that gamble and it didn't work out for them. So. Um, I, th I think it's important for me to say that, but for me, luckily it worked out and um, it was, I don't know, it was, <sighs> there was a little, I, I remember there was a little bit of um, performance anxiety the first few times I went out again, because I was like, well, I'm learning how to, learning how to swim again. Um, yeah, it was, it was bizarre, but 
I think I was just so relieved that I just took to it very quickly. And it was very quickly. I think it was only six months after my stem cell transplant that the first video um, that we filmed busking after years and years of not being able to make music videos and stuff. Um, this, this song blind eyed, I did with my friend Sam. We went out on the street. We did this video while we were filming another one and, um, just started videos everywhere from these busking vid sessions, just started going viral all over the internet. And it was like, Oh damn. Like, did I? cause at the time I was, I would kind of like surrender the fact was like, Oh, I'm 26 now. And you know, I had this opportunity when I was 19, I, you know, I just want to do music for me really. And I, I, I didn't really know if there was another chance and, and all these videos start popping off and um, yeah, it was really incredible actually for me. Yeah. At 27, you think you're going to die, but the reality is at 27, you get a whole restart to your career in life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And which is, it's kind of ironic in it. Cause 27 club, it's like the, the, the age where most of these, uh, these uh, amazing musicians died. Uh, some, of, some of the most iconic musicians died at 27 and 27 felt almost like a rebirth for me. So that was, a nice flip on that. Really special. Yeah. Is Sick Boy your story? It's not my entire story. It's 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 a it's definitely a photograph of moments. Yeah. Moments that range from when to when. Yeah. Uh, from, uh, just from from that whole period. I think you know the the because you've got Sick Boy, the actual song itself. Um, that that's to do with my frustration with uh with certain interactions with different doctors and stuff. Uh, masochist. A masochist is about rebirth for me. It's about samsara. It's, it, it, it's that uh, it's that Buddhist cycle of of destroying and that, that everything does eventually disappear and everything gets born. It's, it's this constant cycle of destruction and rebirth. Some people took it very literally and were like, "This isn't masochistic. This is sadistic. You're just talking about killing everything." You know, because there's a lot of bold lines in there, um, but that you know, they're they're all metaphors for for cutting off various ties. And it it wasn't about being shocking to be shocking for me. That song symbolized um symbolized rebirth but in a way that is quite self-destructive by shutting yourself off from everything which is a tendency that i had to do with my illness because i think the thought of attachment becomes very scary when you're ill and you realize you can just lose everything i mean i was attached to the idea that i would be a star at 19 and you know that all that all blew up in my face and so it's just about severing ties from anything that could cause pain um, and that's any hope and dream because it's the the obstacles are too great to overcome, which is why it can become quite uh, masochistic. Because, uh, but or, or in in that, that's and and gaining gaining almost like a satisfaction from being the person in control of severing all those ties. I think I think that's one of the things. Yeah, because it, it's you before it's your illness. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that became a bit of an unhealthy theme in my life. Was like leaning on destructive things because I had the power to choose them rather than my body choosing them because my body was being so destructive in my experience of life. So if I go out one night and smoke a hundred cigarettes in an, in an evening, I've chosen to destruct. I am the person in control of that destruction. But the other destruction is not your choice. Exactly. You and there was something quite it. empowering about it. being the person that chooses when I destruct. So, so I, I did, I had a, quite a few unhealthy, some some that I still carry, unhealthy coping mechanism just because of that power, the, this feeling of empowerment that I am in control of this destruction. I'm going to be honest, like the, having this conversation allows me to see my relationship with my best friend who I lived with for many, many years, uh -huh. navigate the, her terminal illness, right? It was terminal, but it was also chronic, right? Yeah. And um, think actions she would do that were the worst possible decisions get new meaning even from this, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, and. 
it is hard when you are someone who wants to do it before your illness does it for you. Yeah. And it's not just hard for you, but it's also hard on those who care about you. Because 100%, 100% because it, because in, in the old, in the long run, ultimately it feeds into a, into the illness being even worse in some ways. If well, I'm, you become your illness too. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely one that I'm trying to find a lot more zen and a lot more balance with. I haven't quite mastered the art of that yet, but I'm aware of it and I think that's the first step. Totally. Yeah. Um, a song like The Hunger, you mm -hmm. wrote that in 2015, but why did it fit now? Um, I think at the time I'd wrote it in, in my bedroom when I was just kind of like too too ill to get out and about and it was just a bit like a fun hip-hop track for me, but... How many songs were you able to write from bed? I, there's probably about a thousand songs on my hard drives, various different, in various different stages of completion, because that's all I could really, there was, I think there was a there was a period of time where i was unable to do anything at all really but most of the time i was too tired to really leave my room but what i would do is just sit there with my laptop on there's a video of patient called patience on youtube where it kind of it's got a shot where my friend aisha came over to my house but that was a period where i'd barely leave my house but um my i think the thing when i when i could when i was functional enough to be able to which um you know the the, the hours that i was able to i just that's all i did I just, just write, just produce beats and just write. So there's a huge uh, catacomb full of music on my hard drives, um, uh, which maybe I'll revisit one day, maybe not. Is but um, have you even attempted to revisit it from a healthy? Yeah, yeah. State? So so I, I released demos one and two, which was a bit of an accumulation of a lot of those songs. I, I just kind of went through a lot of them and go, oh, I like that one. I'll bring that onto life. Oh, I like that one. I'll bring that onto life. I'm sure I'll probably do that at some point with more demos projects. The the difficulty is when you're an artist releasing things that you've done a while ago is you feel that you've improved and ha and they're different perspective so you might not completely relate to them so even though someone else might really like them it's it's quite a difficult process to put them out if it's not on in a place that you are i understand that yeah so like even with sick boy are there any songs that you made for this album that at the time of making it mm. meant one thing but today means something else to you oh that's an interesting question um hmm well i think suicide was an obvious obvious example because that it was never meant to have the end on it. So it, it, and after I added the end on, which I did when I was in Calgary, because before I'd, I'd written it about three years before when I was in lockdown. And, um, and that's a tribute. It, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't a tribute initially, but the end gives the, the start a whole new meaning, I think, because it, it, then you have it from two different perspectives. You have it from the perspective of the sufferer and the perspective of the person who's actually gone along with it and, and carried it out. So, um, that one definitely transformed. Yeah. Is that, is that a strategy for you creatively that you write songs from two different perspectives that you cap, capture in one story? I wouldn't say strategy is the right word. No, it, it just, it just what happened. I think it just, it just happened to be uh, for, for me, like songwriting is quite a spiritual thing and, and it, 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 um, it almost kind of feels like channeling at some point. It's just something that's already there, which, which is why I think I sometimes find it quite difficult to take compliments for, for it because it doesn't really feel like mine once it's done. Um, so it was, um, yeah, I don't think I ever go into songs strategically. So how do you know you've entered a state where you can receive? And by the way, like that is a common mm -hmm. thing, right? Yeah. Like Chris Martin believes that all of his best songs are given to him by the universe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he sold the story here twice. Like that is super common. Like you yeah. enter this thing that you don't even, you can't even fully explain. Yeah. 
So it's, it's, it's kind of some because sometimes it's like all the words and the rhymes and everything are there. It's strange. It, it feels like with with lots of things in life, there's a conscious. I'll do this to get this result. But sometimes with music, it's like, and, and which is why it, it sometimes doesn't feel like mine. It's like I'm not actually doing. I'm just taking. Um, and, you're, and ta- it, you're taking from you though, or taking from something bigger, or a combination of the two. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like you could argue for the both. It could just be like a subconscious, sub-perceptual thing where you've written so many lyrics that it just your brain is working behind the surface, or or, or maybe it could be some some more esoteric type thing. Um, I yeah, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Do you care to even know, or do you just let it? Whatever. Nah, I don't really happen? care enough to know. I I, th- I think. I don't. I don't really need to understand it. Just kind of like I don't really need to understand why I'm here. I think. I think um, my favorite, my favorite thing that I've keep referring to recently is that the end of one of those Bill Hicks shows before he died. I love, love Bill Hicks, man. Where it was just like it's just a ride, just a ride, man. Just you know, it's it, things. Terrible things may happen, but the, the the purpose and the point I think is to be to enjoy the ride and, and, and try and make it as an enjoyable ride for everybody else who's sitting next to you as well. Why was Loco produced the way it was? Uh, just, again, just for fun, man. I, I, I like the challenge of just doing something completely a cappella. And I, I grew up, uh, it's something I like to revisit something, but I used to be obsessed with beatboxing when I was a teenager and I used to, um, I used to just love it. I think it helped with my flows as well because you've got like, when you have those rhythmical flows, it's almost like a, it's like a, You've got that kind of like you've you've got this, so you can hear counter melodies because you've got you've got the hi hats, the snares, the cymbals in the words. So when I'm writing, having that kind of because rap rap is a bit like a drum kit. I, I always see like singing is a singing is like a cello. I think the cello is the closest thing to the human voice. The singing is an instrument, and rapping for me is a drum kit. And you can accent certain. So if I'm like a. I could like, and then I'm like, I'm putting words to that, and it's like, when I am rolling this over, that on the rolling, and then kind of putting more, and then and then consolidate into words, and I think that really helped with my flow because you can do some really interesting things with triplets, counter rhythms, and oh, it's more straightful to the floor patterns, and um, yeah, so so with Loco, I just wanted to build a track that was totally from the voice. How do you determine which story deserves which type of sonics and vocal performance? I, f- I think that just comes back to the other thing as well. I usually start with a with a either a drum loop or a, a melodic loop or a guitar pattern, right? And um, that really kind of infers the feeling. It, I'll, I'll find something that I really like. I'm just playing around on a, on a keyboard or my guitar or whatever. I find something that I really like, and that almost like puts me into this feeling of what the song should be about. And then sometimes I'll just write stream of consciousness. I'll just write until I find the theme and I stumble across it accidentally, then I'll get rid of all of the things that I've written and then write again that fits inside that theme. Because for me, it's like finding the seed of the concept makes the lyric writing process so much more fluid. I get that. Yeah. What are you thinking, Dan? Well, I was going to uh, ask how you rap so fast on songs like Wicked Ways, but I think you just answered that question. Yeah, well, it's partly that. And it's and it's a lot of, coming back to the hyperfixation, it's a lot of... Um, just repetition. I'll, I'll start with the metronome on like 100 BPM and then I'll pump it to 110, then I'll pump it to 120 and I'll just keep on, for some reason I never get bored of doing things. I could stay there for an hour <laughs> saying the same line over and over and over again and um, 
I just don't, I don't seem to get, I find it quite meditative. I don't really get bored or even if I'm walking to the shops, I'll do it. Or if I'm on the bus, I'll do it. Just any time that's like free real estate to practice, I'll practice just cause it's, I might as well. Otherwise I'm just there thinking about, I don't know, and anything, anything. So it's just, it's, it's a really good opportunity to be able to just kind of improve that on that. So, and I, that's what I like about the, I, what I love is if I've got an idea in my head and I try and do it and I can't do it because I'm like, oh, I'll be able to do that soon. And then that will push my ability level to this new foundational place. And then when it comes to the next thing, I can try and up it yet again. So, um, yeah, yeah, I really like doing that. Why do you, why is giving the lyrics super fast vital to the way that that song needs to come off? It's, I don't think it's vital. And actually with, with time, I've actually, I think I was a lot more excited. I mean, I grew up listening to people like Skibbity, who was like a UK drum and bass MC and um, some of the old, uh, I mean, obviously like the Buster Rhymes and 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 um, and people like that. But I really, I just liked how it made me feel. But I don't believe in doing it for the sake of doing it in such of like a flex sort of way because I think there are so many amazing artists that do that. You I mean you got like the Tech Nines, um, Tech and, Nine. yeah, yeah, and and, and Twister, and Twister, hell yeah. Um, and and, and uh, it's it, for me, it's not about being the fastest, really. It's, uh, it's it's just about sprinkling it in places that makes it sonically interesting. Because I, it's the same with my production. There's there's a danger at one point where you can become a bit too overindulgent in that, mm. and and you drown it in too much of that stuff. But for me now, with time, it's being like, okay, this little moment will just raise an intensity if I bring this in here. So, um, yeah, but I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. Illness of our time, a double entendre. Yeah. Pretty good. Great record. Thank you, mate. Thank you. I mean, is there a part of you that is, I mean, embraces one, I mean, I don't, it's not making light of it, but it's embracing it, right? Yeah. It's understanding what you got. Well, that's the thing. And it's the same, same with Sick Boy. It's a double, it's a, the whole album is a double entendre because, you know, in the hip hop illest, sick. It's sick, bruv. Is like, you know, it's, uh, it, it means good. And, and, but sick, sick is in illest as well. It's, it's my story, man. So, um, yeah, uh, and I suppose it's the first time I thought about that. But there's there's a little bit of uh, there's a bit of duality in that as well. In terms of you can take good out of the sick, you know. It's true. Yeah. What's the story behind a song like "Down on the Beat"? Is that just you just wanting to have fun? Yeah, that's me wanting to make a dance banger, bro. I, yeah, yeah, it yeah. worked. Yeah, I, I, I just um, you know, I mean, I, I've. Funnily enough, probably the music I listen to most is like EDM, which doesn't really come across <laughs> my music because I'm either singing soul on the streets or making hip hop. But I, I love I love dance music, man. And I, I love I, when I first started producing, I, I just wanted to be a drum and bass producer. That was like I was like, that's all I want to do, because all I would listen to was drum and bass and like really techy, like dark drum and bass, which probably wasn't good for my mental state at the time. But um, I just like. Yeah, I think that was just I wanted to make a dance banger and there wasn't there wasn't too much I mean you've listened to the record there's not too much depth in that or anything but it's just fun and um it was my my mate, mate Vic as well we were both like freestyling to a dance beat one night one time and um and we were like we should make a track and we're like oh yeah let's make a track so we that's what we did we just we just like got this EDM beat and and put down the beat together yeah Does your hyperfixation apply to Animal Farm? Um or socialism? It, it's <laughs> communism. I, I was always. What's the deal? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. No, I, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say it applies to socialism or communism. I think. I think with my view on those, uh, I, I think there are good elements. Well, I mean, it plays into the NHS. It plays into the health thing. One hundred percent. Well, it plays into every system, and every system, to a degree, will lean more 
into a particular thing but even even America there are there are elements of socialist socialism in America I think we it's one of those black and white things again where if you slightly hint at it people will be like but communism doesn't work socialism doesn't work because this example a b c d and and I think I think there is a lot of beautiful amazing things about capitalism as well so I wouldn't say I was a socialist or a communist or a capitalist I think I think all of them have um weaknesses and strong points and some of them get abused I don't think it's the fault of the systems themselves. I think it's the fault of the the people who are abusing those systems that turn them into the negative things that they are. I think beautifully I th- said. I, th- I think that I think that having a base level of housing um, and healthcare, because we have the capacity as human beings to offer that, should be done. Um, and then we can still have a system where people are proportionally rewarded for their efforts, which is more of a capitalist model. But I also think that since the internet has come about, there's probably an even better one than all of them that we just haven't quite figured out what to, what to, how to do it yet. Because I, I, oh. I personally think that the voting system is outdated. I think that there's a much better way to make democratic decisions with the power of collective intelligence from the internet because there's a huge there's a huge world and there's a huge number of people who are cap- capable of making decisions. So you don't really necessarily need an electoral body to represent a whole country that then cyclically gets put in charge. I think, I think it's, I honestly think it's a completely outdated system that's maintained by the power systems and the money that, that keep them alive. So, um, but that doesn't mean to say that I'm an anarchist either, because um, I do believe that, there are some people that are more suited to a leadership role and there's some people that don't want that role. So, so to create total chaos, I think people naturally form hierarchy, but hierarchy doesn't necessarily need to be negative as long as social good is, as long as social good is at the top of the hierarchy before profit, before power, before uh, expansion and, um, and also homeostasis of the world that we live in, because this is, this is, the one place that we've been given to be able to coexist and we're doing a pretty good job of like uh, of messing it up uh, and, and and a lot of data is showing that so um uh, and then you get to a point where you have scientific arguments about the climate and no matter what side of the fence you sit if you think that it's a big hoax or if you if you're agreeing um with certain scientists that are saying that we're in doomsday prophecy situations both of which i think are maybe a little over exaggerated i think that i think that um the fact that we can't have healthy mediated conversations about these things because there are profit incentives and investments from either side. And that is like, here, here's the deal. And mm. I can, I can have the conversation about like collective intelligence, helping make decisions for a governing body and yep. allowing that to at least give you a temperature check of like where you should be going and the legislation that's right. And et cetera. Like we, I, I would love to talk about that. Yeah. But I think first and foremost, like the, you have to inject a moral filter through every single decision and action a government body will 100%. ever make. Yeah. In addition to that, the foundational mandate across everything mm. needs to be people over profit. A hundred percent. And the idea that people are the a nation, a state, a city, a town's greatest asset. Mm. And without people, nothing will ever fucking work. Yeah. And, and the, the ironic thing is, I think if, if that shift, which is a very, very foundational and significant shift, if that were to happen, the people at the top in power, the ironic thing, I think they would be happier anyway. And, and, and I think there's this this desperate protection of trying to maintain this system because it's really working out well for the people who've got a lot of money and power. So there's a desperate need to protect it. But I think with that with that shift, if it's done in the right way, Everyone, even those people who have got that's it, particularly everything, actually get happier too. And and really, 
I know it's a very simple thing, but happiness is really what it's all about. Oh, dude. Yeah. In America, for instance, I believe that talent is equally distributed in this country, but opportunity isn't so much is made up by your zip code and where you happen to live and the bubble that's around you. Mm. Uh, on top of that, I do also believe that selfishness can breed selflessness and selflessness can breed selfishness. Yeah. Because the ability to run for office and bring about a better day for your family should in turn bring a, about a better day for your neighbors when, mm. when done right. Yeah. Historically, greed gets in the way. Mm -hmm. And you have situations where, like, just like, let's look at a microcosm of America real quick and let's take a trip to Florida where you'll find Marco Rubio, who his district has the Parkland shooting uh, years back on Valentine's Day. Uh, you know, he, he, he decided to sell the children of his district to the NRA mm -hmm. while taking money from the NRA, right? He sold the kids and he used that money to put his kids into private school. Right. Yeah. Instead of saying, like, let me build upon a better reality for everybody yeah. um, and make schools safe for everybody, mm. uh, he chose to take the real deeply selfish route. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, ultimately, like, and, and, and it's, kids and it's, die. And it's, but I think it's so difficult to, you know, even myself and, and, and everybody, for those virtues to not be tainted. And it's not necessarily our fault for being totally selfish. It's just to, like, it's a bombardment of our entire environment inspires us to be that way because it's, it's, it's everywhere from the moment we enter school to media to everything. So it's really about like, for me, I try and try not to point too many fingers and, and just try and see it in myself and, and, and try and inspire that change in whatever way I can, even in conversations like this. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's a foundation of everything. If there is some way to put social good uh, across profit and, and that to be the, like the foundational, I think we can still live in a world, world of profit. Oh my God. You, you, know? have, you have no idea how much, I mean, everybody has an idea, but nobody fully understands the, I, I mean, the egregious spending that goes on, mm. the insane, ridiculous redundancies, the, I mean, there's no tracking of money. Mm. Right. Like when you pay a government pays a contractor to do anything from like uh, fucking do the trash to pave the roads. There's no understanding of where that money goes once it hits them. So yeah. there's like this. I mean, it's so deeply corrupt. Mm. It's so deeply corrupt. Everybody was like, you know, uh, crypto is going to be the feature. Nah, blockchain is the feature as a form of payment because you need to have accountability for where pennies go right mm. so like an understanding of where money's traveling the second like it goes from us as taxpaying citizens into the government's hands and out there's just no understanding so the second that it goes out to a contractor it could be spent a trillion different ways and by the way it's never being used on anything that's going to do good for people right. like all, like really if you were to go in and audit everything the amount of money that is being spent on things that are probably non-existent right is could be in the billions if not trillions of dollars. Yeah, yeah, and and then profit and people just spending money for the sake of tax brackets. Oh, yeah. Like, and there's yeah, so yeah. much money that could be used for good that's just being spent because they're like, oh crap, well we're gonna lose lose out this money on tax. We better just buy some shit we don't need, and that's the problem, man. It's like I do think that at the end of the day, people can be rich and everybody can have a better yeah. day and be taken care of, and there can still be a hierarchy that makes sense while making sure that nobody ever wants for anything. Everybody has access to mental and physical health care. Yeah. There's an understanding that nobody deserves to starve in this nation or live and raise a family of four on something that can barely keep the fucking lights on. Like everybody deserves access to yeah. internet. Everybody deserves access to reproductive health. Everybody deserves access equal. Like genuinely, yeah. like I'm the a crazy motherfucker that goes like, take the best school system in the country and duplicate it everywhere because 
if you don't invest in that, you're not investing in anything. Mm. I, th I think school is one of the most important places as well because that is what's shaping the minds of the people that, that, that are taking care of it when, when we're not here, when we're just dust. So I think school is, is one of the most important places to kind of put that energy and focus. But it's a world I want to live in, man. It's, yeah. You're very special. Like you, you really uh, give incredible energy. But your story is really uh, rather remarkable, dude. Let me ask you a question that may relate to what you guys were just talking about. Sure. What does the pig mask represent? It is. It is Animal Farm. And, and yeah, Animal Farm. So yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, I was. Uh, and coming back to your question as well, I was a, a huge dystopian literature fan growing up. I don't know why. Ever since I was a kid, I was just really. Attracted to that. I felt I watched the Zeitgeist movie when I was about fourteen years old. I don't know if you ever watched Zeitgeist, but that that blew my mind. And then I, I became obsessed with reading Aldous Huxley, George Orwell, Kurt Vonnegut, people like this, and um, and and that really leaked into my way of how I was viewing the world. And and um, Animal Farm, yeah, it's, it's, it's the story of of um uh, of these these natural hierarchies that we form and and how the animals were subject to fall for falling just how the humans were and um the pig for me the pig mask uh, that kind of pops up in those things it, 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 it's almost like an uncomfortable companion um who represents a lot of things he represents greed he represents my illness but he's also so familiar in all of those situations that it's like the thing that i am frustrated with and have been at war with he's been there for so long that he's also my friend in a way or you know like Donnie Darko movie where mm. you've got the rabbit there and he's like he's an ominous character but he's also a comforting kind of character for Donnie and that and um it, it, it's kind of like that really it's like, like this 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 thing that is always there with me on this journey that I that is fucking my life up but at the same time um there's a comfort in there because without him and it's, it's for anyone to, to to think about if I was just to wake up tomorrow and I was we didn't have to wake up and swallow a bunch of pills and I was just a hundred percent well, it'd be it'd, it'd be a surreal. Obviously, it'd be great, but it would be a very surreal transition to not have that familiarity of just like even now I'm sat here and my my shins are hurting, my feet are hurting. Um, it's to not have that familiarity when it's all that I've known. Because I don't even really remember what it's like to feel completely healthy. So it's 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 bizarre because um, there's a weird comfort in it uh, at the same time as being a discomfort. I totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, I mean, for a bunch of different reasons. Primarily, it's an escape. It's a reason. It's an excuse. But also, it's like... It's a reservoir it's a known, as yeah. well. It's a reservoir of, of, um, of material, I suppose. I don't know. It's, oh, that's it's interesting. Strange. Yeah. Yeah, it fuels this. Yeah. It fuels the album that you can listen to right now. It's waiting for you on Amazon Music. It's called Sick Boy. Uh, all of Ren's music, by the way, is waiting for you on Amazon Music. There's going to be a link in the description below. What are you thinking? I did want to ask, with like all the treatments and medication, does that affect your brain and how you like create or see different things? A hundred percent, man. And sometimes it can be quite debilitating. I mean, it's why, I mean, I was holding off on the heavier part of the treatment I'm doing in Canada. I haven't done it yet because we had this album coming out and I was like, I don't want to... And it's a funny one because then you're having to like almost not sacrifice, but you're having to put at certain times, ask the question, do I not lean into this so heavily? So I'm, I held off on a big course of antibiotics that I'll be starting in a couple of weeks um, because I know for the fact that my brain is going to go to mush for a, mm -hmm. a few weeks. And, um, but when you become aware of it, it's easier to navigate because I've, you know, I've had over a decade of messing around with allopathic medicine so I've come to know how I react but yeah there are some times where the first three months of this year 
just in the dream world after starting all the, these new treatments and stuff and I wasn't able to really create during that time. And this is in uh, still on the journey of curing or to the best of your ability managing Lyme disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Lyme disease is theoretically out of my system now um, as per the test and as per the test of what Dr. Hoffman, the doctor I'm seeing has, has said, um, the... There's a, a there's an active co-infection called Bartonella that's still in my body that's picking up on the antibody. So we're treating that with antibiotics, um, which is a four, because it's been in my body for so long, we're, we're doing a four month course of antibiotics. Um, and, and it's about three different antibiotics at once. So it's going to be heavy and it's going to be not so great on the stomach, um, but it you know it's a necessary evil. And, and hopefully after that, it, there'll be another level of health that I've, that I've reached and, uh, and hopefully one that I'm... Um, uh, it's really funny, uh, like w with these chronic infections, because your immune system's not really dealing with them. You go through this thing called the Herxheimer reaction, which is like it's it's the, all these bacteria dying off, and you release inflammation in your body. So um, it just basically makes. I don't know if you guys have ever had COVID, but you get super foggy in your head and it's like that constantly, basically. You just get super foggy and like your personality gets blunted and you just become a bit of a walking dead. <laughs> hey, you can't. You can't be on a promo run promoting an album. Exactly, like man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I get emotional about stupid things. And yeah, yeah. So um, I, I I thought, you know what? I'm going to enjoy this album coming out. And that's <laughs> what I've done, man. Last week was mint, mate. We just like, we went out to Banff. We did some partying. Um, you should be very proud. Yeah, I feel, I feel super proud. It's, it's really nice, the fact that we've done this pretty much independently as well and having all the people involved in that team because it felt like a real shared celebration, you know, like we were all, we were all buzzing, we were all out there. We went, went and got the biggest steak in the world because <laughs> um, my diet's super limited. So um, that's one of the rare things I can eat in a restaurant. So we got this 40-ounce tomahawk steak, which I like... Uh, tried to finish and was in a lot of pain, but the best sort of pain. And then, um, <laughs> and <laughs> it was good. It was good. It was a, yeah, it was it was a good experience. And then um, we've come here, do things like this, speak to lovely people like yourself and yourself. And then, um, and then we're heading to Vegas on Friday to experience that. Sick. Yeah. Enjoy it all. I will. I will. Appreciate your honesty and your artistry and the vlogs that you put out and your honesty here today. I really do. Um, I appreciate. I appreciate for having on and chatting to me. Yeah. The studio is always open. As you release albums, please come back. I will. And I will. again, all of Ren's music is waiting for you. Link in the description below. It's all on Amazon Music. Final thoughts. Can you tour? So, at the moment, uh, what I'm thinking for the future, I don't think. I think realistically, uh, it's always going to have to be something I manage. Even if I get to a really good place, it's going to have to be something I always look after myself. So I don't imagine I'll ever go on like 60 day tours around the world. But what I would like to do, and I was talking to talking to Connor about this, like, you know, maybe go and do like a really big show in the city, stay in that city for a week, soak up the city, just like take at that pace and then move on to the next one and kind of almost do it you like that. You can do that. It's, yeah. cool. it's going to cost you more money, but you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I, and, I, and I think that there'll be a way to figure it out. And, and even with busking and stuff like that, there are things that we can do surrounding that that make it, you know, financially worthwhile. And, um, and then just uh, interviews in those cities or, or, or whatever. There, oh, there, totally. There's definitely ways we can make it work. But I think, um, yeah, I, I think that's, you know, and, unless it could happen. And what I've learned in this year is fucking anything could happen, man. We're sitting off the back of a number one album that I never expected. So, <laughs> so um, you know, maybe my health makes a 360 and I'm buzzing and, I'm, uh, and I've got the energy of a 19-year-old and I want to tour the world every single day. But we'll see, man. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just taking everything... I've taken everything as it comes, but... Um, you do it at your pace. Yeah, exactly. But I can only imagine, like, as a busker, like... 
who who knows that high and that feeling like mm. you know, to not perform in that. oh no I'm, I'm definitely you won't be able to keep me off the stage i'm definitely <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely gonna do some shows and 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 yeah and i'm really excited now it's like now that there's stuff to play with like we can be really ambitious with the shows that we put on as well so i'm really excited to put together like a sick experiential show that incorporates elements of the the more sort of like performative stuff like high end and the tales of jenny and screech and then the more sort of hip-hop stuff i think we can have a lot of fun putting together something quite special you give timeless man mm. oh i appreciate you yeah you're really thank incredible you. thank you thank you thank you for being here thank you for having me you good yep ren everybody mm. it's the zach sang show